And I'm speaking with Dr. Kino Francis. He's a, actually a good friend of mine, and he is a radiologist. He does a business principal. He's a principal of a business called Prime Medical. I recommend them. I like them. I love them. They're <laughs> premium plaza. No, real, t- real talk here. Real. I really love this business because I tell people not only are they new and the place is pretty, of course, but most importantly, I get a good service and you, the patient, gets a good service. So I have to congratulate you on that, you know, honestly. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. No, it's a labor of love. So that I'm hoping to get into that. But for us to really, I don't want to get too selfish because I'm very interested in how you built your business. But I wanted to first get into a little bit. I think we talked about this briefly screening because I noticed. I get asked a lot when am I to, uh, if a patient will come in, we can take breast, for example. When am I supposed to do what study, what age, those sorts of things. No, there's a lot of advice out there that we give. So I just want to hear your spin on it, as in radiologist spin on it. We can get into that at all. Okay, so, so specifically regards to breast um, screening, as you know, we really don't have a screening program in Jamaica. Um, and that's that's due to a couple of reasons but as physicians we all try to 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 replicate what a a screening program should be like within our own practice Um, for me the magic number is is 50 there are other doctors that use the magic number of, of 45 Right, so women forty-five and over should start um, breast screening with their mammogram and ultrasound, as they 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 both complement each other. Um, with regards to to um, mammogram, the mammogram is is best to to evaluate the the more the older looking breasts, which is more fatty in nature. And the ultrasound will help to evaluate the breasts that are not so advanced in terms of aging, and those are more glandular kind of um, breast tissue. So those will become will be will appear more dense on the mammogram, as opposed to to um, the more aged breast, which is more fatty. So for me, um, evaluation of the breast really entails both mammogram and ultrasound evaluation. And for me, the magic number is 50 in exactly. terms of breast screening um, using mammogram. Exactly. And I, I think when we were in any there, you know, Kino, I think that it was 40 was a number that right. eat in our heads. Right. But I'm sure you, you, your literature and your experience and reading has led it yeah. to... Uh, I find that in our, our population, we, we, you know, when you start... Start... Um, m- screening with mammogram in the 40s or the 40s you, you, you will find a lot of um, glandular breast tissue which is is more dense and um, that is not it's not easily penetrated by the the the, um, the, the x-rays from mammogram um, and that is one of the limiting issues with regards to starting screening too early so to speak um, there is one consideration in terms of screening where you would you would screen your patients earlier if the patient has a history of breast cancer 
um, or cancers in the family, you, you would want to um, start screening in the, in the females a little bit earlier. Um, some will say 10 years older, 10 years younger um, than the, that first degree relative, which was diagnosed with, with the breast cancer. And there, there's also the discussion of screening from five years old, younger. So say, for example, your mother um, was diagnosed with, with breast cancer at age 45, you would benefit from screening yourself at an earlier age um, to pick up those, those, those early cancers using mammogram. You know, to play devil's advocate here, Kino, in the in the patient using your numbers. It, it... Yes, I'm hearing you. Oh, yes. Say if if the individual comes and knocks on the door, a paramedical, forty one years old, and happens mm -hmm. to have a request, of course, because you this is an important point that radiologists are not going to do anything without or let's say radiologists of a particular caliber will not right. do any study without having some sort of request guidance as to what study and why it's being done and in, in any case so my question is this if the mammogram is as we say not so good when the when the breast is a bit younger why not just do the ultrasound as a complementary? As we know, the ultrasound is pretty good for the younger. So as the screening tool itself. Yes, that is that is actually practice where you use the the ultrasound as well to screen the breast from an earlier at an earlier intervention at an earlier point in time. Yeah. So for me, breast imaging is not just mammogram. Um, it is both mammogram and ultrasound um, because there are things that you'll pick up on the ultrasound that you won't necessarily see that clearly on the mammogram and vice versa. There are things you'll pick up on the mammogram and um, that you would not easily see on the ultrasound. So yes, I, I would say you can start with breast ultrasound to, to screen the breast at an early age if there is... There is um, incidence of breast cancer in the family or other cancers in the family and you want to be 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 um, a little bit more do a little bit more due diligence in terms of erring well in terms of practicing with caution in the interest of the the, the patient put it that way yeah exactly so it, it and this is a, is a key point that to hammer home here there's no particular right way or wrong way correct 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 and breast is one of the more because some people believe something should be screened and we're, we're talking about although we jump to the the big things the, the cancers it mm -hmm. It's as you know, I can't read much, but I read a little bit before we had this talk. I was just thinking to myself, but nobody really agrees on this point. You know, it's right. It's a right, very right, interesting right. topic. And, and 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 back in the day, screening up when you talk about when you spoke about screening of the breast, it really was talking about mammogram only. Um, it was since the the advent of the Byrads. Um, the reporting data system method where, you know, now 
it's 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 the, the you you'll hear the radio just talk about sonomammogram, yeah. right? Which is where you 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 screen you you evaluate the breast with mammogram, complemented with ultrasound, or you evaluate the, the breast with ultrasound, and if the patient is within is past forty five or fifty, you also incorporate mammogram, and you, you you hear them talk about the collective term sonomammogram, right? Um. But for me, as again, within my practice, I believe in both evaluation of the breast with mammogram and ultrasound. If you could talk about, yeah. oh, sorry, Kina, I meant to interrupt you. And when you saw, said biorads, I was wondering, of course, we as a general practitioners have no idea what the devil this thing is. But oh, so, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's a, a reporting method to, to bring some consistency to, to breast reporting. Um, it's, as I mentioned, you use the terms, um, reporting data system, right? It's, it's a, it's a classification system, um, that gives, assigns categories to the, the finding in the, in the, in the ultrasound or the mammogram. Um, you have two Byrods classification, you have the European and the English, so to speak, and um, but we in this region tend to use the or have adopted the the Byrod from the American College of Radiology um, system, and it basically assigns a category of zero to six Byrods, um, zero being an incomplete study that requires further. Imaging, for example, if you did a mammogram and it needs ultrasound, you would assign a category zero because it needs further investigation. Um, a normal or negative um, mammogram would be a Byrads one or two. And then if, if you move from a lesion on, on mammogram that is benign to possibly um suspicious for malignancy or known to have malignancy, you, you increase the category grading system to as high as six. So it's just a base, a, a, a classification system to assign a level of um, probability towards cancer um, from zero to six. Um, so it's, it's quite simple and it's just to bring about some consistency to the reporting system. Yeah, for this, breast imaging. This is a key point. Even though I had no idea what the Bayerads was, when I read the, the end part, the comment was very clear yeah. to me, good, bad, indifference, I could say very easily. And this, right. uh, you know, some of my patients get trouble. They don't bring the reports back to me. They open up their reports. Well, I suppose, right. as I've been, they tell me that they pay for the reports, so they want to look at it. I say, but we don't want it to misinterpret it. <laughs> that is right, right, right. But anyway, it's... It, if you pull it open and you look at this and you say, good, it's sort of, it is self-explanatory. So it, it, it and there's a problem in medicine. When we talk to each other, it's good to standardize, and it's, especially these topics that are a bit murky, in my opinion. You know? So right. that, that is, I want to ask you further to this, and since we're on breast, to, to, to wrap it up a little bit and move on. The... Mammogram and breast. What is your feeling on that? Because I remember I somebody a family member went to do something at 
that let's say one of your colleagues placed and she was encouraged to do mammogram to do mm-hmm. MRI and mm-hmm. that uh, you know MRI is alternative price so she was just wondering <clears throat> I said well I'm not I know the gold standard as far as I know this was a year or two ago was, is still what we we're just discussing but what where where does the literature stand and how do you feel about MR of breast right right so, so so MRI of breast has its place um it's very sensitive but it is not necessarily specific so it, it will pick up your pathology but when you do find something you know you you, you will still have to complement it with your ultrasound and your your mammogram to, to, to decide what's happening but for me the initial workup of, of of breast pathology starts with ultrasound and mammogram and then mri comes in in into play when you're you're you still at the end of evaluation with ultrasound and mammogram you're it, you're still not sure what you're dealing with then you can um move on to 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 mama to to mri also you have your patients that they're okay with doing the 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 ultrasound but they they, they don't want to do the mri because they're afraid of radiation or you know some other personal reason um you have some patients that they're just scared of mammogram then you can complement your imaging with mri um as you know mri has a as as an another level of costing to it compared to mammogram and and ultrasound and also mri is not that readily available so it has its limitation in terms of accessing that kind of level of imaging but mri it's sensitive and it's it's more for me a modality that is used to clear up stuff you know in terms of any discrepancies between ultrasound and mammogram it's also can be used to to evaluate the breast in a young patient as a, at at an early at that early stage, especially those patients with history of breast cancers, um, in 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 the family, and you want to start screening the breast at a, a, a early age, earlier age than than you would with mammogram. So those patients with with high risk breast cancer in the in the family, you can start screening the breast with mammogram to pick up anything um, from early. Um, in that population of patients, it it is a really wonderful test, and literally, you your field of study I find are the unsung heroes mm. of of medicine. People <laughs> are speaking to somebody recently, you know, uh, she's a lab. She heads a lab. It's another right. set of individuals that nobody knows about, and they're really right. literally working behind the scenes, saving everybody's right. lives. You know. It, right. it, uh, this is why I really want to talk to you and get into some of this stuff. You mentioned MR, though, Kino, and since we're talking about it, I get asked this a lot. Well, first of all, MR is really use of magnets to project a three-dimensional image. That's really... So right. the, the MR itself is not really the study that will give you radiation, correct? Right. Correct. So, correct. so the, right. that is something that 
anybody listening to this, whenever I, hope it come, whenever I post it, which will be soon, hopefully, <coughs> Sorry. should realize so that is one thing. But there are a couple of different things. Are there any ill effects associated with MRI? And in your mind, why, why is there that cost differential? Somebody said something to me about, and I never got into depth, it's really... When you come to tell I met them socially and they were talking to yeah. me. And he was saying that well, the, the, the thing has to be on 24 hours a day, the JPS day. There's a lot of factors. Of course, yeah. we don't make it out here and so on and so forth. So if you could shed some light on that. Right. So so you, the, the startup cost, the, the cost to purchase an MRI is is far greater than the, the other modalities, X-ray, ultrasound, CT scan, right? So the, the, the startup cost to purchase and acquire that machine is, is much greater. Then you have to consider the, the, the room preparation for MRI is also greater than the other uh, modalities compared to CT. You know, you, you, you can use cement, block and steel to, to shield the x-rays from from the CT. Um, for the MRI, it's a whole different thing. You have to um, invest into uh, material to shield the, the, the magnetism. Um, there are other requirements for the room in terms of um, distances and the other generators and stuff that are used along with the, the magnet itself. And as you, you, you rightfully said, the, 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 the device has to be on all the time. So there's the cost and the maintenance, um, the powers that be that service these machines also um, come at a greater cost compared to the other equipment. So at the, at the end of the day, the, the, the overall cost for purchasing and maintaining and servicing is, is much greater than the other modalities so thereby this this cost and this 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 um maintenance um ex the maintenance expenses will will impact on the, the final cost of the the procedure um so it's not something that can be really avoided just a part of the reality of this modality. And um, the other thing that will definitely um, influence the cost is the, the, the availability. Um, you have a few MRI, um, MRIs available and um, the demand is great, greater than the supply. So that will also, um, to a certain extent, affect the cost of this, this, this modality or this this can. So in other words, even at, at the manufacturer level, if I'm going to purchase an yeah. MR, it's a bit of a challenge. Yes, you definitely. To... Definitely. Because do, do you have that down at Prime now? Or... No, not yet. On its way. On its way. But, but uh, not yet. Not yet. It And the other part of my question regarding the well, you don't have the exposure to radiation. Is there anything in the literature, any effect, unwanted effect with it, of MR that? Um, in terms of well, the the the, the biggest concern with MRI right now is whether you have any foreign body inside your 
your your body, for example, a bullet fragment or any medical implants um, that are not compatible with MRI. Those are the limiting um, issues that will prevent um, a patient from from accessing the service. Um, in terms of MRI itself, there is not any documented or proven effects on the human body um, when when compared to 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 like for example X rays or ultrasound. It's it's usually it's considered to be safe, and um, there are no adverse effects on on MRI imaging on the human body. Date. The the uh, since we're here, Kino, the the radiation that you will be exposed in X-ray. Mm-hmm. As somebody asked me, I think she had. I think she actually had done an X-ray when her when she never knew she was pregnant. It could have been chest. Mm-hmm. And if there'll be any problem, I said, well, the amount of radiation is really minimal. Mm-hmm. Certainly, mm-hmm. we wouldn't want you to do an X-ray every day of your pregnancy, but in right. general. But the what when we were rotating, what they told us was CT is a whole other animal that is a lot of radiation. And right. So if you can break on that for me, like the right so so in terms of those um for example a chest x-ray that is done is one of the higher doses in in the general x-rays that is like what we call millisieverts like 0.1 millisieverts in terms of um affected the the approximate effective radiation dose that you would get from a chest x-ray and i'm going to give put it into perspective at, at the end um, the CT scan, um, for example, of the chest, that's about 1.5 millisieverts. Um, the dose, for example, that you would normally get um, from the solar system, right, just to compare, is in the region of about... Um, 6.2 millisieverts, right? Um, and that's much, much greater than 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 the x-ray, right? Mm-hmm. The x-ray is like 0. Mm-hmm. 0.1. Um, and you would you would normally first normally get about 6.2 millisieverts. Um, just from the environment, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the, the the exposure that you're getting from a chest X-ray, it's 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 quite small. Mm-hmm. You you in order to get about a hundred, say one millisieverts, you'd have to be exposed to about. Uh, it's a little bit late for the maths now, but about <laughs> yes. ten, ten greater than ten X-rays. Yes. Um, when you and your normal radiation dose for the year from your environment is, is, is six, so it's 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 still very small. 
um, definitely when you're dealing with CT scans, you, you wouldn't be advised to be doing, say, 10 CT scans for the year. Mm-hmm. But even at 10, um, we, have, we have seen no adverse effects. Um, the, the machines that are built now are, have different ways to deliver the x-rays at a safer, um, low-dose method. Um, so the, the, the technology is at an advanced stage and radiation exposure right now is, is not an issue, so to speak, with these equipments that are, that are being, being used. Um, so I, I'm not really worried. Yes, we still have to approach imaging using the Alara principle as low as, as reasonably possible, mm. um, even though these machines and the software that exists are delivering the very, very low dose to the patient. <laughs> so yes, it's x-rays and yes, it's radiation, but doses these days are very, very low. It, 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 it sounds like that the, the, with the technology, who knows what will happen? as these x-rays they figure out different ways to do these x-rays another thing that could happen which i don't know if this is possible you know but to the to reduce the cost factor the mr which one thing that we need to say about mr and i think to a lesser extent ct no but mr everybody that does that thing it it, it you have a few minutes inside of a chamber mm-hmm. And the chamber is small, and you're basically lying down. Anybody who's watched TV can picture this right. in a sort of tomb. It's a bit something that you have to get mentally prepared for, even if you're not particularly claustrophobic. And yeah. The, there are some instructions you give them, correct? You know, you have to do some breathing, depending on right. what and where. Right. And so right. How, how long does that last? A typical so- MR. Uh, right, a typical MR can last for anywhere between a half an hour to 45 minutes and beyond. Very rarely it, it will last for more than 45 minutes. Um, so, you know, you have to be able to, to sit still and um, focus on any instructions given in that period um, of, you know, half an hour to, to 45 minutes. Um, you, you have... MRI devices of different sizes. So you have a big bore magnet that, you know, it may, the space is much greater than the smaller bore magnet. You have open MR magnets that don't have um, that complete circular um, feeling. And so those, those are more tolerate, tolerated by claustrophobic persons or persons who are not comfortable with, you know, sitting in a con find space so to speak um but yeah um there's a you... consideration i tell you I, boy, you know i altered the two because they have the to just continue this discussion ct there is the principle is the amount of slices the machine has is that what it's called right yeah the number it, of slices right yeah. so as ascending slices it can be done quicker Right. So the, the more slices the CT scan has um acquires the images here, yeah, the, the more data you collect in a in a short time. And and therefore the, the CT potentially, if you have one of the multi-slice ones, could be a much shorter time, depending on the area of interest. 
Right. So if you you know if you have a sixteen slice versus thirty two slice versus forty eight, sixty four, one twenty eight, you have two fifty six slice um, scanners. The the quicker the the scan time is at the end of the day. So you're able to acquire do quick do scans quicker and more and increase your throughput. Um, but you know the discussion is you know where is the cost benefit um, balance because you know that as the scan scanner feature increases, so does the cost. Yeah. So a two fifty six scanner is much much more expensive than a sixty four um, sixty four scanner slice scanner and in terms of the time save between you know each device you know how practical is is because after a while you're, you're just saving seconds um no longer minutes so you know the benefit cost to benefit ratio kind of gets debatable after a point um but from my experience you know a 16 slice scanner does good work just as uh 32 slice you know it's you, you might find that you get both scans and you're not sure which one is done on a, on the, the higher slice scanner yeah. because after you have acquired the data you can then do post-processing um techniques to get thinner slices and a sharper resolution and this is what I was uh, going to get into here because I think what you're not seeing because you're so diplomatic is the person that's reading it actually matters. Right. But is an important factor. Yeah, that, that, that's an important part. Because uh, know, as manipulating and post-processing of the, the images after you have acquired them. And um, yeah. It, I don't it, want to get into the details. Yes, yet. yes, yeah. yes. And we don't want to go there too. But it, it definitely matters. And in fact, anybody listening to this, if you go to any doctor, they'll have certain places that they prefer. And I'd say to you, again, you know, your place is a preferred place because again, right. it all matters who is reading it. Yeah, yes. the people with machines are all about the place. All sorts of different machines. A popular machine is ultrasound. That one, ultrasound looks like it's it seem to be more affordable device to acquire. Yeah, you have more you have more um persons in the industry, you have more um companies putting out products at different costs and more affordable costs. And in terms of the availability of the technology to these um different companies, it's it's readily available. The the the, the, the technology is, is not that um out of out of right i was so i was saying um the technology is widespread right easily available yeah so, so the cost uh, yeah so availability affordability it is it is more readily available so the cost is is lower um you have you the, in terms of the the cost for for uh, uh ultrasound you have more players in the industry so you have products of different cost and, and 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 range so you know to acquire while it's still not cheap to acquire a, a, a ultrasound is 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 far easier than a, a ct scan 
or mm-hmm. even an, an x-ray unit at times because yeah. x-ray is a different kettle of fish as yeah. you alluded to regarding the room yeah yeah it is literal radiation so it has to be safe and i think there are certain specifications that yes definitely they, yeah, yeah, yeah different shielding, room shielding um requirements and and this this business of ultrasound up uh, to we uh, touch on it a little bit, but is there any ill effect associated with ultrasound one and two? The advent of these, I don't know how to ask this diplomatically, because the university has a course that they train ultrasonographers. Yeah. You're, you're, we, I will just say this from speaking as a general practitioner, we prefer to go to standard radiological places that have radiologists working there. And right. of that subset, we have certain places that we like. So this is what I'm saying, that we would prefer, even for obstetric ultrasound, which seems, mm-hmm. but we're unique, you know, they remember our boss used to show some stuff on for early ultrasound detection. Yeah. When you yeah. know, we had the machine there, not the greatest, but... I remember I was able to identify the second. So it seemed, even for somebody like me who totally right. off with these things, it seemed to be not the most difficult thing. So with the event of what are your, what is your take or how do you feel or any comment on these individuals who now have not only are working, but they have their own businesses and are allowed to be out there just practicing? Because I noticed they not only do obstetric ultrasound, which as I alluded to, I think, based on my impression, this is me talking, is a straightforward study. They are sending opinion about things that a little bit challenging even for a good radiologist. So I just want right. to, so the, the, my two-part question there. Well, well, in terms of ultrasound, ultrasound, um, should be done by an individual that has experience in the area. Um, as you know, a diagnosis should only be made by a medical doctor. Um, I think um, by law, only a medical doctor is, is licensed and trained to make a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis. So if you are not a medical doctor and you are making medical diagnosis, you might be um, treading some waters there that, that you know, you can get sunken in. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a very, very serious issue. If you are not a medical doctor and you are making medical diagnosis, um generally speaking i think that's as much as i need to say yes um, quite clear right so you know so that's that's my that's my take on it um that we all know that only a medical doctor by law should be making medical diagnosis um 
towards patient care. Um, What can be supplemented to this activity is the is the 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 person who is acquiring the images um, consults and a medical doctor to get uh, after providing the data or information to this medical doctor um, be able to at the end get a medical diagnosis with the help of a medical doctor. So um, approaching it that way could, you know, settle the uncomfortableness that some doctors have in terms of, you know, changing the management of a patient based on a, uh, an ultrasound report generated by an individual that is not a medical doctor. I hope I'm not going around too many colors. No, 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 no. You're, you're quite diplomatic, and uh, I, I see what you're saying. And further to <clears throat> to an uh, interesting kink to the, the the individual that has ultrasound training. Some of them are actually medical doctors. Right. So how it really works is you train to be a medical doctor and then you do further mm-hmm. training in radiology. That training is fairly rigorous. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, I don't think we'll get into it here, but you have an interesting path to where you are now. Right. But, but let's just say the training is rigorous. And by mm-hmm. rigorous mean there's a lot of time. It's time not only here locally, this is talking about all programs here, but time spent in another country Right. Being into, and getting it from a different perspective, getting all the first world, typically you would go to a first world country to get right. further exposure and coming back and doing a lot of very, quite frankly, very challenging exam for lack of better words. And so that rigor translates into you being quite competent. Right. The impression I get from, and it's first of all, it's one thing you would be studying if you do your little course, and it's not as rigorous. And that that is a fair statement. That's nothing bad being said to anybody. So you have a doctor who is who could be just a for lack of better words has his MBBS or his first degree, and he has the certificate. Or diploma, I think it is, is what you get in ultrasonography. And then they you love this business. So in that scenario, yeah, I'm conflicted with it, Kino, I must admit, because clearly, especially if you're a senior, or you would have some exposure to the things um, um, if you have been coming around a lot. But it it becomes the training is just it's, it's just a different animal, you know. That, so it's it, it's 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 just like everything else, Doctor. Yeah. You again at the end of the day, the doctor, if a medical diagnosis is made, it should be made by a medical doctor. Right? That's that's not debatable. That's that's in the constitution, that is right. law. Right. Now, when you start talking about individuals' competence, you know, that goes beyond any certificate or any training. 
or any um, any method of 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 assessment um, mm-hmm. that you know your skill sets and what you generate that you 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 know deliver to other colleagues as your final product that has to, that is an internal uh, internal issue um, and I don't know if we are able to speak on that in terms of oh you know if you if you did a certification in you know up by UE or the UK or um, US or Australia or um, or Cuba you you are less capable than 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 the the other person I Mm. think the the proof is in the eating of the pudding. So, you know, as the the, the person that is receiving a report or receiving an experience, Mm -hmm. you will have to assess what you're given at the end of the day and see if what you're getting is is valid. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and if it is not valid, then you will have to, Make, carry out some kind of form of intervention in your practice to prevent having to receive that kind of of, of product at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. It's yeah. like going to the supermarket. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you go to, if you go to a particular supermarket and you're not happy with the service, then you will have to bring about some intervention to, 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 to be able to get what you want and what you think you deserve. Yeah. Um, so again, for me, in regards to the whole thing, as long as the diagnosis is made by a medical doctor, it is legal, it is, it is appropriate. Yeah. Um, when things get a little bit um unfair to the patient now is when the diagnosis is being made by an individual that is not a medical doctor mm-hmm. and to compound that the 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 the, the physician that is uh, taking care of the patient is also not happy with the product or the report that they have received um in the sense that it is not useful to them it's not helping them to make a decision in terms of what next in terms of the the, the management of the patient. Um, So for for each physician, it has to do with their, you know, what you are receiving, what is your um, customer service or... It's literally, we, we have these words on this page and you have an idea of what certain language, certain things, certain issues, mm-hmm. and to really be completing all of this, I, from where I sit, I don't have a lot of control where a person goes. Right. Because these places that have this sort of service uh, typically are maybe even 20%, 30%, sometimes 40 50% less than somewhere like your establishment or uh, apex or you name it you know so mm-hmm. and that 
is a factor that it, it's difficult. I shy away from recommending, but I mm -hmm. do tend to say, well, we prefer. That's how I do it. And right. so I think anybody listening could do that when they're giving a study, any study. What? It's a doc, who do you like as a whatever for x-ray or who knows what, mm -hmm. whatever it is and invariably you know that could help to guide you as a patient you know so that, right. that's something that you know, we all need to and again a lot of the especially obstetric ultrasound you know find that those are are it it's not there's not a lot that you can mess up with that. <laughs> I don't know right. how to put that simply. And based on the type that I uh, I send people for, you now when you get to, there are certain scans that, they, in that case, you would have to go specialist anyway. Right. Some of the scans where they're unsure of the fetal, the certain issues with the, with the fetus, you would have, you need specialists in any case. So right. that, that is a whole other animal, you know. And I noticed that I'm chatting, you know, so I, I want to get to a couple other things before I leave right. here. The, the, to go back to screening a little bit for non-oncological issues, and mm -hmm. I encountered this a little bit and I found it interesting. Well, what, uh, and, I noticed that there's some recommendation for it for atherosclerosis and screen and in, in terms of radiology and I think it's ultrasound and even MRA. What is your take on that when and if they sh that should be done and any any thoughts on that? So, so in terms of cardiovascular um, imaging, you can Im image a cardiovascular system and when I say cardiovascular system, I'm going to talk about specifically the heart um, with CT, with MRI. Um, you can use angiographic studies. You, you can image the, the vessels of the heart with um, conventional angiogram. Um, but in terms of screening, a screening tool has to be something that is, is, is cheap. Or, or affordable, you know, for it to become a screening tool. Right now, I, one method of screening the cardiovascular system is using CT scan where you um, assess the calcium scoring. Um, and the, the score that is given uh, reflects the total area of calcium deposits and the density of calcium, right? Uh, as it relates to imaging the heart uh, um, using CT scanning, um, a score of zero means that there is no calcium seen in the heart. And um, this would suggest that there's a low or a low chance of developing a, a heart attack in the future. Um, when calcium is present, the higher the score, the higher the risk um, of um, heart disease are developing a heart attack. So that's one way of um, screening the, the cardiovascular system um, in terms of, you know, um, cardiovascular diseases. And as, as 
one would say, you know, if you're seeing um, arteriosclerosis in the heart, then more than likely you have arteriosclerosis affecting the rest of the cardiovascular system. Or if you see cardiac um, arteriosclerosis in the lower limbs, um, then you should consider that there's also arteriosclerosis in um, affecting the other parts of the cardiovascular system, for example, the heart. So calcium scoring is one good way of um, screening or um, evaluating the cardiovascular system and its risk for heart heart attack um, and other cardiovascular diseases. So do you, what are, are your, because you, as well as you are a doctor before you came a radiologist, what do you think mm-hmm. about that? I mean, because I encounter that in our reading, but it seems that the literature, literature is unclear or there's no consensus again. Do you think that's a good idea for somebody to do routinely, say, after they hit a certain age, or? Yeah, I, I believe it. It 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 has it 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 will it can be useful. Um, again, the 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 issue is the cost. Um, at my current practice, we we have not started offering calcium scoring as yet, but it is will it will be coming shortly. Um, we're just trying to ensure that, you know, things like cost and um, affordability and accessibility is, is reasonable um, before we, we implement this, this offering. But I think it has a lot of benefits, um, right, in terms of giving a patient or a doctor the the an idea of what is going on with the patient or what is possible in the future is 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 always a useful um use useful tool to have and um i would encourage um calcium scoring um evaluation as a as a good way of screening screening the cardiovascular system um again we don't have a screening system here in in jamaica and so in terms of the interval for this it, it it's it's a little bit up in the air i would say um every two year would be reasonable if at again 50 being the magic Very number right. yeah 50 is the magic number um again if you have a family history of cardiovascular disease um individuals um having history of heart attacks and and stroke then i would start screening the cardiovascular system at an earlier stage five to ten years prior um to that first degree relative or that relative with that that diagnosis um but I would recommend calcium scoring as a as a useful tool towards assessing the the risk associated with the cardiovascular system. I think that sounds reasonable, Kino. And then to just complete that part of this this part of our discussion, that you have some other tools that we use. One is called ECG. Everybody mm-hmm. will know. Yeah, and that is really we're getting into the domain not only of the general practitioner family doctor like myself but into specialist heart doctors we call them cardiology mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. they do something they do heart ultrasound now that you would say this is dr francis's area but actually they have taken that over you'd say right you know and yeah they, I, I think right now they have been the primary per, um special specialist area that is um actively um offering echocardiograms um there are still radiologists that do them and report them um but they are primarily done by um cardio cardiologists um these days exactly so that that's this whole business of echo which is heart ultrasound and then mm-hmm. There's something that we had alluded to, I think, in our earlier discussion about angiogram, which which is where we image the blood vessels, and sometimes we can do that associated with the heart, and all of that is in the domain of the cardiologist. So what, what Dr. Francis is talking about is a, a, a literally a tool that you can ask somebody like myself, what can I do to detect whether my I'm getting atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries, which what you would probably ask, what can I do to prevent or see if I'm headed to a heart attack or a stroke or that mm-hmm. kind of thing? And mm-hmm. this this study, which Dr. Francis will have soon, is sort of, although the cost benefit, I think it will work out in your keto. I, I know some patients who had to do four and five vessel bypass. This is open wow. heart surgery. And believe me, the money is actually our colleague, you know, uh, Sonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, so it, it, it's a pricey proposition. So it, it, it all comes down to it's prevention, which is really why the right. of this whole conversation here. Right. And... You know, so I really, I really thank you, Keenan. I think I have to let you go, but I want to just ask you one question, which lately I've been asking everybody because, and I don't know the answer to this. We have, we live in this wonderful country around 3 million people and these very bright people, doctors like yourselves, technocrats, politicians, bureaucrats, business people. But our healthcare, I think is really, let's say could be better. And in general, that was made evident for me in as much as during COVID, we, it was a great challenge, but there were certain issues that, that reared its head. And I, I started to think about this deeply because healthcare is, uh, seems to be a funny thing in terms of getting it good, getting it affordable, and getting it so that everybody can get it. And so what I'm asking is, how would you improve what we're doing here in terms of our healthcare generally <laughs> and and any recommendations you have about that? Well, um, so just to, to lay a, a, a ground here, I unfortunately... I'm, what I really want to tell you about, I'm not going to be able to say it because it is a part of our, and when I say our, is my, my team and I um, initiative why we, we entered healthcare at this level where we are, we are currently a provider of services. 
in the healthcare industry. One of the main things we are about is the cost of the service and the quality of the service. And again, you you heard of, I mentioned that you know we're going to be offering calcium scoring, but we basically have not launched out the service yet because we are still trying to find the right cost for the service so that it is affordable, which is something that is very, very important to us. Um, yes, you need to, you're doing a business, you need to, to be able to present a profit, right? Or to, to be able to, to have something after you pay out your expense that will make the business sustainable. But right now, our healthcare system we need to be offering a service that is affordable, 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 affordable. We need to be offering a service that is accessible. So we need more CT scanners. We need more MRIs. We need more ultrasounds. We need more x-rays. We need more equipment available in the system so that somebody doesn't have to wait three weeks to get a CT. We don't, you, you know, you don't have to wait three weeks to get an MRI. We actually, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to do this, but we are actually acquiring another CT scanner for Prime Medical mm -hmm. to be able to offer a more. So in terms of cut, we, we are trying to cut down the waiting time to get a CT scanner, scan study. Yeah. Right? So we are trying to cut down we are trying to in order to cut down you need more of these yeah. devices yeah. if you understand what i'm yeah. saying yeah. right um so that's cost affordability um that's the service itself now in terms of accessing the service because from from a, a monetary standpoint now i believe that there needs to be uh a scheme, an insurance scheme mm. that is a public-private partnership, mm. right? There, there's a basic level of cost that is associated with health services that we could try our very best with divine intervention. The cost of that service cannot sustainably get cheaper yeah. right and because of that with all the effort help that particular healthcare service will not be accessible to some people mm. it's just not going to be, be be accessible because of the cost and so in order to 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 circumvent that scenario i think that uh we need a health, a proper health insurance scheme, right? I know that we have health insurance, private health insurance, right? But I'm talking about one that is a public-private partnership that is accessible to everyone. Mm. And I, I mean, when I say everyone, you might have your your surgical and your medical or your your whatever private private um healthcare service, but this other service is a national service 
that you can also apply to your 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 health um expense um to further lower the the already existing health costs so we need a proper insurance scheme um i know that there has been has been talks in the in by the the government to implement such such a scheme but um as you know things take take time especially when it's it's totally um dependent on the government and and i think you know if it is one that is a public private partnership such a service might materialize earlier than it would um it would have if it is just a, solely a a public service mm. so i believe that those three tools uh, more ct scanners lower costs for the service as well as a, a, a proper health insurance scheme would um, have a great impact on what the healthcare is right now and allowing more people to 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 be able to access certain certain health services uh, which trans- will translate to better and a healthier population and a healthier workforce. Yeah, I like this idea, Kino. I've heard it banned about, but not in the form you have presented. So I really like that idea. And just to, to tell everyone that who doesn't know, of course, we have something called National Health Fund and uh-huh. Jamaica Drugs for the Elderly Program. I think uh-huh. it's called, uh-huh. they call it JADEP, which they uh-huh. help to supplement some chronic medication. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, not enough people are taking that up. So you get some assistance from the government with medication. And so that was a wonderful idea. This that Dr. Francis is talking about is something to build upon that mm-hmm. and to actually acquire private services at a right. reduced rate or even sub so you would be responsible for something, maybe, or right. a, a copay, but at least you'd get some help to actually get relevant services. Right. And I, I, I would I would say to you as well, Kino, you as well as always being diplomatic, but I think that we it would be good, and this is just, I think this is fair to say that the machines that the government acquires and university acquires, if they could ensure that they are always on stream by the same thing you alluded to earlier, which is the servicing of these machines to make sure they're because I do recall KPH, even to the end of my time there, it they when they got the machines they would always a lot of the time they would be down quite frankly right. and right. we heard various reasons why that was you know which everybody can we leave that to everybody's imagination but right. it's it, it's really that sounds like a simple straightforward thing but really just to ensure that what you have is working it would go a long way because the staff, you and your your boss at KPH, who I don't want to load up here, real champion, real, right. a whole lot of work, a whole right. lot of work was done, especially at Kingston Public Hospital, you know, yeah. a lot of work yeah. with very little resources. So it, right. it, it, it is something that I guess working in it, I'm very passionate about, and I think about a lot because I don't really know, and I, and I, and I appreciate 
that answer because I think that we, we need to talk to our representatives about this sort of thing and get it in the discussion. I mean, these are things yeah. are asked, you know, when they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the sorts of things that we need to bring up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Francis. I know it's late. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Thank you yeah, so much, sir. It's, 